Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Streaming box technology and business rundown. Welcome to the Screaming Box Technology and Business Rundown podcast. I'm your host, Dave Erickson, along with Botan Sedesh. Today we have a special guest, Tyler Johnson. He is the founder of Laoway Enterprises, who is providing business consulting for go-to-market China and automation technology. He spent 20-plus years with Dell Technologies in go-to-market sales and marketing across hardware and software services. He is on the board of advisors for the George H.W. Bush Foundation on U.S.-China Relations and is a board member for the Greater Austin Asian Chamber of Commerce. He is also a published author with his book, The Way of the Laoe, The Importance of International Self-Awareness for Business. So Tyler, that's some deep background there. Is there anything that I missed? No, Dave. So uh, thanks for having me. This is uh, it's a pleasure to join you, and I, I appreciate uh, the time. I, I love talking about some of my background and experiences, and hopefully you know, that will help, uh, help others uh, that, are, that are trying to do business. Um, I, I would like to highlight a couple of things uh, from, from my background, and maybe I can expound a little bit on, on some, of, uh, some of the experience that I had. So um, I did spend uh, a great deal of years, two decades with Dell, and, and half of that time was uh, based in Shanghai, China. And uh, that was a unique experience in itself, and, and that was from 2005 to 2015. Uh, I was responsible for sales, marketing, and go-to-market activities for selling uh, computers, software, and uh, services to uh, both the local market and to multinationals that were doing business within China. So it was a great experience, and I certainly have a lot of stories uh, and have worked with a number of uh, multinationals and local uh, Chinese companies, joint ventures, and and the likes. Uh, and so that that was uh, a very uh, cool experience. And I would recommend that anybody, if they get the opportunity, to certainly jump on uh, the uh, the bandwagon of living abroad and and doing that experience because you'll learn a lot both personally and and on the business front. As a, a founder of a company. Uh, what advice do you have for founders who are looking to go outside of their home market into international markets? What are kind of some of the things they need to think about and look at uh, in order for them to do that? Yeah, gr great question, and, and it's part of the reason and, and a lot of the activity that I do today for advisory to companies and startups and, and, and larger companies that are looking to expand with different products. So. Um, I, I, I would say there's probably a, a two or three things that that um, have that I could highlight for founders. Number one is you, you've got to hire the right talent within organizations in order for them to um, succeed. And what I mean by that is that talent needs to have some background that has international experience. And if you don't have people that have international experience, it's very hard to um, get accustomed to uh, cultures, 
products, services, uh, history, um, and maybe even potential opportunity. So that, that would be the first thing. You, you got to seek out people that have had uh, a broad experience uh, in the international forum. Um, the, the, other, the second thing that I would focus on if I was a, a startup or a founder or even a, a bigger company looking to expand into markets is you have to solve practical problems. Um, too often today, I, I, I believe that things are created that don't have practical use in any way. So it's kind of like, uh, you know, creating emojis with different colors or phones that are different colors. They don't really serve a, a practical purpose, right? So um, what we need to do today and what businesses could do today that would make them successful would be uh, to, to solve some sort of practical problem that that, that particular uh, country is having, that particular group is having, or a business need uh, inside of a, a country or a region. And finding that practical um, problem is, is part of uh, the knowledge of connecting uh, locally. Um, and so that, that, that's unique. So that would be the second thing. And then the third thing that I've learned through, through my experience and in, in my life uh, at, at living abroad and doing business abroad is that there's more than one way to do things. And so if, 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 you, if you try to tackle solutions or solve problems with only uh, w one thing in sight or one uh, means to an end, um, maybe you're looking at it wrong. Um, and, and I had to learn that the hard way uh, through some experiences. I always thought that my way was the right way, but I had to learn over time that I had to learn a lot of things in order to uh, to get things done. So doing things a different way and getting the same results is okay. Um, and in fact, that creates a whole lot of new opportunities and new things. Kind of circle back and uh, touch on the topic that uh, you brought up, that uh, I should find sort of a problem for a certain group of people or a uh, certain geographical location. How would I go about uh, discovering such a problem? <laughs> yeah. So, so I'll just use, and this is all my experience. Uh, so a lot of times people travel and they live in different countries, but they only do it for a number, uh, one or two years, or maybe even shorter than that. Uh, or they travel back and forth um, and they don't allow enough time to get integrated into the society and integrated into the culture. Um, so as a foreigner, um, and having spent 10 years in, in China, uh, having seen a, a lot of things, after a certain point in time, you, you start to get accustomed to the cultures, the behaviors, you start to learn the history, you start to understand how people are educated, you, you understand how business flows, you understand transactions, you understand um, what really makes a society tick or in, in, turn, you also understand some of the problems. And so I'll give you a great example of, of solving, solving a problem. So after um, five years at being uh, in China, I localized as a local Chinese uh, uh, foreign national. So uh, a local hired foreign national is what they call it. Um, and so what does that mean? That means that um, I participated in local taxes. I participated in local healthcare. I participated in um, all the incentives that local citizens 
would be provided. And so when I submitted taxes inside of uh, China, I had to um, gather up all my receipts and submit those on a monthly basis. And I had to learn and understand the tax system that they had. By learning and understanding that tax system, it allowed me to think a little bit differently about solving a problem. And so um, that in turn, that knowledge, I can take that knowledge and in turn um, flip that over to a developer, a designer, a developer, um, somebody that could create some sort of um, solution to that problem that may or may not be part of that particular country, but may be solving a problem in another country. And so I, I'm telling you the story to, to think back at how complex, and Dave probably knows this, how complex the U.S. tax system is. Um, <laughs> taxes in China are pretty simple, right? And they have a system that's set up because um, they, they haven't been doing a modern tax system for, for very long. And so um, it, take a guess at how long um, or, or how much submission or paperwork is needed inside of China for me to submit my, my taxes. How, how long do you think, um, how, many, how many pieces of paper do you think it took? I don't know, maybe 10? One. One piece of paper. That's it. One piece of paper, really? and if I compare if I compare that to um, submitting taxes in the United States, that was that equivalent took about seventy pages, right? So if you look at the differences in the systems, in the processes, in what is submitted, and the information that is needed, um, just knowing that information allows you to think a little bit differently about solving solutions and solving problems. So I'll loop this back to your, to your question of what do I tell a developer? Well, you have to have keen knowledge of that local market in order to solve a problem that may be a problem or a fix or a solution that could be replicated in other countries or in that similar country. So you, you have to know the environment in order to solve the problem. So if I was a person, a founder, going into a country, I would try to seek out people that had been there and lived there for a long time, um, that had common knowledge of what it took to do business transactions and or solve problems in that local country. Number two, I would also seek out locals that have grown up or lived there so that I could know and understand uh, unique problems and unique solutions uh, from their perspective. And so knowing and having that trust and knowing that local knowledge is pretty essential at developing products and developing solutions for that market or for other markets. So if I understand your uh, main point correctly, what you advise is to build an entourage basically first and then build upon that. Great. <laughs> well, it's part of it. You have to ask a lot of questions, but you also have to have um, people that have local knowledge in order to create local solutions. So you have to have cr connections. You don't necessarily have to have a, a, a large amount of people, but you do have to have people that um, have common knowledge of local markets in order to create local solutions. The same is true for the United States. If a foreign um, business wanted to do business inside of the United States, they would have to have a partner or somebody that was uniquely 
um, situated to answer expertise questions on the market they were trying to serve. Um, so it goes both ways. It's not just a one-way one -way street. But I don't think you need a whole lot of people, depending on what you're trying to solve. Well, obviously, uh, when it comes to the U.S. tax code, probably 25% of all the developers in the United States are just trying to solve problems related to taxes, uh, whereas in China, they probably only have a few developers working on their tax system. <laughs> yeah, it, well, it, Dave, I think it hits on a, another uh, hot topic, though. There's a lot of countries across the world, uh, you know, China included at the time that I was there, there wasn't a whole lot of legacy systems and processes that were in place. And so um, it's easy to create or easier to create solutions when you have a greenfield approach like that versus, um, you know, a market that's a bit more developed that has multiple solutions or past te technology solutions that are not no longer relevant and you're trying to get rid of those or replace them. It's, it's much harder to do the latter than it is the, the greenfield approach. And so um, it's a unique opportunity for businesses and for startups and for founders to take a look at maybe some countries or um, regions that um, don't have a whole lot of legacy. And, and you have the opportunity to come in with your technology that is cool to the market and solves an immediate problem and you don't have to worry about um, switching people's mindset. So in the United States, one of the things that's kind of interesting is that each of the states has a different way of dealing with business. And one of the trends is that businesses are either moving out of one state into another because the way to do business is different than another or they're incorporating in a state that's not their own state because it's cheaper and better to incorporate in another state. But that concept, I think, is going to expand globally. And I think that people starting businesses are not going to be looking at which state to start a business in, but which country and which country is better for them to start a business in. And I think that that may have an impact in the way businesses are starting. Uh, what's your feeling on that? Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, um, different countries, different regions have different expertise, just like different states in the United States have, have different expertise, um, different talent sources, um, different um, things that they produce, um, that they import, that they export. Uh, the same is true for countries all across the world. And so um, having a, a good knowledge of how things work at a global level or a regional level or a country level is very, very important for um, individuals, business owners, you know, both at, at current mature companies that are out there and ones that are trying to um, start up and create something new. And so um, I, I it's, it's one of the premises that I, I put inside of the book that I published was the eight lessons that I had learned and you know one of the highlights of that is around uh, people having a global mindset and people having a mindset and knowledge of what happens in the rest of the world. Um, I, I can tell you through experience that that um, you know living living in China and being disconnected from the United States for an extended period of time 
you, you gain a different mindset on outcomes, perspective, uh, information, uh, ways to solve problems. Um, all of these things um, happen and um, you know that transformation is key and critical um, for people going forward in the future. They, they have to change their mindset on how they operate. You can't just operate in, in your own little world now. You, you have to operate on a, on a uh, broader, broader scale. And so there's technologies today that allow us to do that, right? We're, we're talking today with, um, you know, people are all over the place. Data is moving freely across the world. Um, you know, you, you, we're talking about monetization of um, uh, or changes in how, how money is, is done across the world, <laughs> how trade is done. I mean, all of these things are changing the dynamics on how people think and operate. And the ones that will take advantage and the companies and individuals that will take advantage are the ones that are at the forefront or at least are open to new ideas and new thoughts and new ways of doing things. Judging from my experience, which is uh, relatively small, so I haven't done much business uh, in uh, <laughs> in uh, China or with China, uh, what what I do have some experience in, uh, specifically in development, is uh, working working with people from uh, India and uh, Hungary, naturally where I live, and also in the last uh, couple of years, people from Italy, and all of these uh, groups of people. Uh, require completely different soft skills so it's uh, it's not just a different style of conversation uh, it, it, everything has a different uh, flow uh, a, uh, we use expressions a lot we use uh, mm, allegories what, whatever uh, just uh, just common sayings and that is something that uh, I think the further we move east is it, it's less of a thing, at least when we communicate in English. So it's uh, sometimes communication can be very, uh, I don't know, factual. I don't want to say factual. It's more like uh, direct. So th there is uh, definitely a, a component that is, uh, hmm. <laughs> I don't even know how to put this, to be honest with you. But. Uh, uh, here in this country, it's uh, usually honesty is the last thing you do in business, right? It's it, it's a weird thing, but but it's a thing here. But uh, uh, in a certain different country, that's the first thing you do. So it's 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 like a complete uh, one eighty of uh, communication. It's it's a thing. It's definitely a thing. I don't know how much it. Uh, affects developers globally since uh, we are a market that is uh, uh, is on the verge of globalization uh, it's been there for quite a long time so all of these cultures all of these uh, methods of communication are being merged together albeit quite slowly and you brought up a very interesting point you know uh, language plays such an important role probably the the biggest thing that changed my life and even my business life was when I learned a second language. And I learned that second language while trying to start a business in a country that I had you know, little experience with. 
kind of language on the fly, but I did learn it. And in learning a language, it opened up like a whole world uh, and an understanding that people are able to see things differently and cultures have a big effect on how people work and communicate and what problems or how they solve problems. Taylor, I don't know, did you learn uh, Mandarin when you, you were in China? Yeah, so this is a great topic. Uh, I'm not fluent, and the only words that I know are bad words um, and and things that can get me um, out of trouble, I guess. Um, I, 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 I'll, I'll tell you a little bit, uh, a story, because um, I've, so I have three children, and when we moved across overseas, I had two. So my youngest child was born in Shanghai. And so uh, my two daughters uh, grew up and went all through uh, elementary school in the early years um, in, in China at a international school because uh, you, you couldn't go to a, a local school there uh, in, in China. But in that school, they had to learn language, right? You, you, you had to learn um, uh, Mandarin, um, not only the, the tones and the speaking, but also the writing. And so um, if you're familiar or you, you've seen the characters and stuff, it's not, it's not the easiest thing to, to go out there and, and learn. And, and as children, the thing that I picked up the most is Kids are easy. They can learn languages very easy at an early age. I think any any time before, you know, the age of five or six, they pick up languages very very easy because they don't have to do this translation into another language and then trans, you know, their 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 mother tongue and then into into something else. They just go right into the language itself. Um, and the reason why I'm bringing up this story is because they're they're older now and that experience for them at the at the language side and the culture side has opened so many doors for them to have opportunities um, and it's also uh, enabled them to be very open to how things run across the world so um, you know, they're global in mindset, but they don't judge. Um, they speak another language. They learned another language. They respect that. They respect other uh, countries, other organizations, other people. Um, and to see that is, is a pretty remarkable thing. And, um, you know, while it transformed me and obviously learning some of the language and different culture impacted me and my business and stuff, to see it in, in kids and how they grow up and how they develop through those development years and what that's going to do for them in the future, holy, you know, that, that is... That is something remarkable, and I'm I'm super excited. Not not just because they're my kids, but to see what they're gonna um, accomplish based on what they've done so far in their life. And you know, my my eldest daughter is now uh, looking at other languages so that she can have two and three and maybe four different um, languages under her belt. And I and that means a lot, man. I mean, you you can you can take that very far and communicate in different ways and. Um, it, it, it's a lot of respect by learning the language in the local area, you, you gain respect. Um, you, you know, there's a whole lot of benefit to, to learning a language, not only personally, but in the business side of, of the world too. So anyway, that was a, 
a long-winded answer to your question, but to see it in the kids, great. You know, that's awesome. I had to learn uh, uh, Hungarian when I was 29. It was really hard. And Hungarian is considered one of the harder languages. But I made kind of the mistake of I learned it basically with high school students. So I learned all their slang and all that other stuff. I didn't learn like the formal business Hungarian. And so I started talking in business in Hungarian as though everyone was kind of a high schooler. And so it, it kind of caused some cultural difficulties with some of the people I was doing business, which were very, how would you say, old school kind of style with very formal language. And I never talked to them in that formal language. I eventually learned formal Hungarian, but... You know, culturally, from a business standpoint, people did respect the fact that I, I made the effort to learn the language and, and become fluent enough to actually do business, let alone understand the accounting system, the tax system, all that type of stuff. Um, but if we were developing a product or if I had to develop a product for that, you know, Hungary, I would have enough background where I could probably make a product that would succeed in the market. Sure. I've done business in China and with Chinese companies, and it's a different style. But for you, if, if you were taking a product, a, a tech product or a software product that somebody had developed in the United States, you know, and they wanted to go into China and sell into the Chinese market, what kind of advice would you give them? Yeah. Uh, um, I, before I answer that, I want to touch one more thing on the language, though, because the language, I think, is, is, is super, su super important. And the other thing that it did for me personally is it helped simplify my, my requests back in. So if you've ever been in a meeting that you had to translate three times into three different languages, or you've ever had been in a situation where you were translating a complex subject, you have to simplify your language and simplify your asks. And so I found that I learned a lot by doing that because it gets rid of some of the noise that you have in, in business requests and or personal requests by simplifying language um, into common terms in some way. And so part of, part of the, the trans, translation, sometimes things don't translate. So you have to find other ways to translate it. And that's the trick in the mind and the trigger in the mind that may, uh, that may help out as, as you build products and services. Anyway, I just wanted to, to, to throw that out there on the, on the language front because there were other outcomes from, from learning something new. Oh yeah, if you don't mind, I, I would love to add something on the language side as well. Uh, you said that some things don't translate. I would argue that most things don't translate, like at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I think both of you guys have uh, started life uh, with pretty good knowledge of English. Yeah, so, so I did not. That, that's a learned language for me, and it's absolutely astonishing how much more resources there are. In, in English than in Hungarian, like we are quite a small country. And of course, some books get translated, some, some don't. Like some scientific papers get translated, others just don't. And there is just an incredible amount of information that, uh, that gets lost in, uh, in translation. And uh, one, one of the things that I've learned quite recently, and unfortunately I, I could not do anything about it, but I just know that, uh, 
I'm, I'm quite interested in the forefront of physics, which is fusion at this time, and uh, the research into fusion is quite uh, uh, moot in in the EU right now. We're building ITER for I don't know how many years. <laughs> Not much is happening on that front. Uh, mathematics and uh, physics they they kind of diverged here in in the EU, and as far as I heard in the US as well, they're two quite separate fields. But uh, as far as I know, uh, in Russia, these two fields are still quite interconnected as they used to be here. And they have a completely different approach to uh, some experiments and uh, some theories. And that is why I would love to learn more about that, but I, I just can't because I, <laughs> I can't even read the language. So mm. I can't even imagine what uh, what is available in Chinese. Like, also a huge populace, uh, lots of very smart people, uh, huge amounts of money going into research and development as well. So I'm sure there oh, are yeah. incredible opportunities there. How critical was it for you when you were working with Dell and, and working with hardware and software services and products to understand what was actually being developed in the local market? even on a competitive side, but maybe on a, a side that is not competitive in nature, just trying to understand what innovation is happening in the market versus, you know, the competitors that were popping up as well. How much of that study did you have to do? And how did you, in the market, not being familiar with the language very much, how did you get that intel and use yeah, that's an outstanding question, Dave. So, so China um, is a pretty unique market because um, they, it's massive, right? And people have the perception that it's not competitive. Um, it's super competitive. It's probably more competitive because there's more people and more business and more transactions that happen um, all over the country. And so with that, you have more companies, more competition, uh, more people. Um, all, all of these things happen. And so in China, it's, it's, it's a little bit different because the structure is, is much different. Um, knowing and understanding uh, policy and government direction is pretty key to being successful inside of China. And so the, the good news about China is that they create, you know, a, a plan, uh, a five-year plan, and they refresh that plan every year. And they go towards that plan at, at building, developing, uh, research. All, all of these things are, are guided by uh, whatever this plan states. And um, that could be in education, it could be in quantum computing, it could be in all sorts of different things, but it, they have a plan. So knowing and understanding that plan is, is pretty critical for a foreign company that wants to do business inside of China. Um, but also understanding um, the do's and don'ts. So um, who do you actually partner with if you cannot go, uh, cannot get into the market and you have to provoke, you have to get a partner? Who, who do you partner with? And knowing which partners are critical also. The only way that you learn that in a market like China is to have pretty good relationships with the people, um, locally. <laughs> and it takes years and years and years to build a lot of that relationship up. And in, in fact, it takes decades or lifetimes. Um, I, I only lived there for 10 years and I'm by no means an expert on China. I just, I, I have nuggets here and there and 
I know some people and know some things and can navigate a, around a little bit. Um, and the only reason I can navigate around some of those things is because I got into trouble a lot, right? I fell into the holes. And when you fall into the holes and you have to dig yourself out of those holes, well, you know, sometimes, sometimes you learn, sometimes you don't. And so, um, having good advice at what type of industry and what type of product is pretty critical and, and maintaining a close connection to government regulations, government initiatives, um, that is that is pretty critical at being successful inside of China. And I think you've seen it recently in the news, right? You, you see a lot of companies that are getting clamped down by government re regulations or directions that, that Xi Jinping wants to take them or, or doesn't want to take them. You know, some of those are true. Some of them are not true. You'll never understand the underlying reason for a lot of them, but you have to keep tabs on that and you have to understand or have people close to you that understand that quite well so that you, you don't get into, into too much trouble. And so um, examples of that could be you know, what type of software are you selling, right? If you're selling software inside of China, um, well, it better align with what those initiatives are, um, and you better be ready um, to protect your IP or not protect your IP around some of that software. <laughs> uh, the same goes for products, right? Widgets or whatever you're making, um, it could be cars, right? EV cars is another great example. You know, you see Elon over there and Tesla is, is pretty big. Well, <clears throat> the China market is huge. It's the biggest market in the world for cars and could be the biggest market for, for um, electric vehicles and stuff. But you've got you to go into that with eyes wide open um, at what type of risk and what type of trouble because I've seen companies go in, spend millions and millions of dollars doing business development, partnerships, uh, contracts that are told that they have or writing of contracts, and those are taken away at a blink of an eye, and they're gone. Those companies are gone. They can't exist anymore, and um, that that's hard to deal with. Um, for, for a lot of companies. And so you, you really have to know and understand what you're getting into before you get into it. And you have to have some air cover. You have to have some support at the government levels. Um, you know, it's never airtight, but you, you got to know what you're getting into. And, and um, that's why there's, there's other things besides China. There's other markets besides China. And maybe those are the markets that you go into. You know, just culturally, China doesn't want certain things. A lot of the, even the film and TV studios, they can't, you know, put in the films the way they want to because the, the statements are not what the Chinese government wants. But I also know with software, there's certain software the Chinese government will not allow to be sold in China. So if you're doing development of a, a global product, one of the difficult things is trying to figure out which countries allow what. You have to kind of, you may have to make several versions of the software dependent on the market. Yeah, we, we, we actually at Dell had, had localized products, right? We had products that were only sold in China and not available for the rest of the world for that very point, right? You, you have to um, have a cost-effective solution 
to that local market. We also did the same thing in India, right? Because there was cost-conscious customers there and markets that were there. It was massive. We had to create products that were localized for those markets in order to be successful uh, at what we were doing. But again, Dell was huge, right? We had millions and billions of dollars to go spend. And if you're a startup, you, you don't necessarily have that. Um, behind you. So unless you've got the hottest technology in the world that nobody nobody has, um, you know it, it's a it's a tough thing to get into, and that's why I say there's there's other less challenging markets um, unless you're part of a bigger solution um, to to go after. Um, and you know maybe maybe it's Africa, right? Maybe you go after Africa. Well, as the world globalizes and becomes closer and and its access is easier for different you know types of products and stuff, I think you'll find companies are focusing on other areas of the world. Um, I know from a development standpoint, there's the standard concept of localization, but most people take localization on the development side as meaning the language. But uh, a lot of it is about how the software functions and acts, and it's really hard to determine that unless you have some understanding of the lo the market that you're trying to localize. Well, to be perfectly honest, Dave, localization usually starts and stops at the language. So <laughs> there isn't much uh, we do about the design or the user experience, even though that that I, I do think that would be pretty important, but um, it's... Uh, it's not something that you can easily convince business to spend money on. We, 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 Dave, we struggle with that too, man. I mean, trying to get a U.S. headquarter product group to make a unique tool or a unique interface for something inside of a local market was a uh, task in itself to try to convince uh, to spend money on that. Now, China has a lot of money behind the market itself, meaning... You know, you could put a pretty big business case uh, to do that, but you could also do the same thing for India and for Japan and for uh, parts of Africa or all of Africa. And the same would be true and the numbers would be, you know, very, very, very similar. And so it's up to individuals to have, you know, the strength, the business strength to go up if you're at a big company uh, to put forth some, some plans in order to do that. Well, that, that kind of brings me back to this question. If you were putting yourself in the shoes of an SMB or a startup that wanted to go into an international market, say like China, what is kind of the, the advice you would give them? What, what should they be focusing on first and trying to figure out how they can enter a market like that? Yeah, I mean, there's a couple. It, it goes back to the the people and the process and the technology. I think um, you know, you look at those three aspects of it, and um, they have to line up, right? So the technology has to be something that is needed or wanted in that in that local market. Um, that that would be the first thing. Um, you know, you you look at. Uh, the second thing around process, right? How how hard, how do you analyze how hard it's going to be or what that length of time is before you can generate some sort of revenue stream out of it, right? So do you have a, a, a risk, you know, what kind of risk is in there for it and what kind of money are you going to need? And then, and then the third thing would be around the people, right? 
do you have the right people with the right knowledge that will help you be successful in that in that particular market and if and if and if you don't they're easy to get people people are everywhere right they're easy nowadays to go find people that have expertise in certain areas um, but lining up all three of those is typically the the the, the hardest thing um, now you can easily go back if you're a startup and you can look at the world right you take out a global map and you can start to pick out what markets that you want to go into if you got a cool technology that's hot 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 right you you, you kind of have a, a feel for where you can go into and if I'm if I'm looking at something right now I'd be focused on the African market Right by 2040, this African market is going to be the largest market in the world. It's going to have the most people in the world with the youngest population, and that's 2040. So it's not too long ago. And if you don't build technologies and solutions today to support what is needed for that, holy crap! You know you're going to be left out in the cold. And I guarantee you that not only are some US companies looking at that but I can guarantee you that Chinese companies are looking at that um, and they already have initiatives across um, across the world and large parts of Africa through the Belt and Road initiatives and through uh, the digital uh, Silk Road and through all of these things that are uh, gonna turn turn things up and down but if you're not a part of that as a um, a tech founder or uh, uh, an entrepreneur, mm, you, you might be missing something out in the near future. Um, and, and that's what I would look at. I would look at the markets that are out there in the future, in the next 5, 10, 15 years, wh which are the ones that are going to be the up-and-comers with both population, need for technology, need for advancement, need for uh, you know digitalization, that kind of stuff. That's what I would be looking at if if I was if I was a founder out there. <laughs> well, China's looking at it because Africa is part of one of their five-year plans, right? So, sure. You know, uh, and and that is a very interesting market from a development standpoint, but also a technology standpoint. Um, I, my personal belief is, is that the markets, it, you know, on one hand, culturally and linguistically, all the different markets are very different and have a lot of issues of going into those markets. But the common language of technology uh, and that common language is spread through the use of, say, cell phones and, you know, tablet computers and things that are that are easy for young people and old people to get and use that's making the market not a regional market but a global market uh, and you kind of have to have two mindsets one is the mindset that your product can be used anywhere in the world and the second mindset is well if you really want it to dominate a market you're going to have to really get into that market and, as you said, have the experts, the partners, and the mindset uh, to explore each individual market to, to, to get a foothold and to dominate that market. Yeah, and you will fail. People will fail. This isn't like, hey, I decide to go into a certain country and, you know, magically it happens if, if the stars align. It doesn't work that way, right? You, you've got to... You hit your head a couple of times, and um, you you fail. You learn. You pick up, and you, and you you get on to it. And so, 
the same is true for any a, a technology that's hot too. Even even if you got a hot technology, it doesn't mean you're going to be successful in a particular market. Uh, you know, I'm really interested in your take on uh, why is cultural awareness so important in doing international business. Because I myself find it that it's incredibly important, um, but uh, I cannot put it into words. So. Hmm. I hope you can. I, I believe that it's a mindset. I, I believe that people um, need to have a couple of things. Number, number one, I, I believe it, it starts with uh, just knowledge, right? People have to have knowledge of different parts of the world. <laughs> and maybe they start with geography, right? Just where is a certain country in the world? I mean, I, I, I've dealt with this before. And so maybe maybe it starts with that it's just a common knowledge of here here are here are the different countries in geography of the world um and then let's start with some basic facts of you know here are the big countries here's what the future looks like here here's where it's going to go um and and that's step number one step number two is okay now that i know and understand a few things now i can learn and understand the history of that particular region, that particular country, that particular language, that particular uh, culture. And you're never going to know 100% of it. But if you start digging into and asking the questions of why, wh why people do things, um, wh why um, certain um, language is the way that it is, why do you use certain words that uh, we don't, right? If you start asking those questions, and you start asking about how were you educated? How, how is the education system? You start to understand in the pieces of how uh, society is put together and you understand how things potentially work and how does that help you in business? Well, if you know those things, you're more um, suited to create a product or service that potentially may fit that market and you may not step on some landmines, fall in holes, and you may have a straighter route to being successful within that market. So I, I think it's important um, to um, have a, a good, good knowledge of culture, ask a lot of questions, and um, I believe that will help people uh, be successful in in the future uh, for whatever they whatever they do. So I don't know if that answered your question, but um, I I try to answer it um, as best that I can. Oh, absolutely! Thank you. That's that's a great explanation. Well, obviously, Tyler, that is kind of the basis of your consulting company, Laway Enterprises. Maybe you can talk about what services you provide uh, or what consulting you provide to people, so they can have an understanding of what options they have. Sure. Yeah. So when I came back from China, I, I, um, I decided to get into the startup world. And, and part of that was um, advising and consulting companies primarily on um, go-to-market strategies, uh, product fit, use cases, um, sales, marketing, um, and just setting up um, things related to um, how do you how do you generate revenue um, in countries or organizations that you may not be aware of? And so, 
Um, my, my business um, today uh, advises companies, startups. We advise uh, medium-sized companies uh, on uh, products that they want to expand. Um, I advise startups on new products uh, for new markets. Um, and uh, I love doing that stuff. I also do a, a lot of um, strategic uh, uh, views on uh, countries to get into geopolitical risks and so forth and, and political strategies or geopolitical strategies for, for products and for offerings. And so you can reach me um, at, at LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn heavily. And uh, I also uh, have a website, uh, which is thewayofthelawai.com. Uh, you can reach me at uh, tyler at thewayofthelawai.com. And my book is also listed out there. So um, if you're interested in, in some lessons uh, to learn or, or some stories, it's a quick read. And uh, maybe you, you pick up a, a couple of nuggets. Uh, Dave, uh, I'll, I'll float you over uh, a new copy of that, and uh, you know maybe maybe we can go from there. Sure, sure. We will make sure all the links are in the description of whatever platform the people are listening to for this podcast. Tyler, it has been wonderful. Uh, I learned a lot myself, even though I have had businesses in other countries, and it has been really interesting to get your take on how products can enter a market, and we look forward to talking to you again in the future. Uh, until then... Uh, all the people who are listening to the Screenbox Technology and Business Rundown podcast. We will have a new episode next month, and we look forward to exploring new topics in business and technology. Thank you very much for taking this journey with us. Join us for our next exciting exploration of technology and business in the first week of every month. Please help us by subscribing, liking, and following us on whichever platform you're listening to or watching us on. We hope you enjoyed this podcast, and please let us know any subjects or topics you would like us to discuss in our next podcast by leaving a message for us in the comment sections or sending us a Twitter DM. Till next month, please stay happy and healthy.